2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We're afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and we also speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake. So that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. This is the word of God. Well, it's good to have you here uh, this morning. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, A big welcome if you're new or visiting. This is our Vision Sunday. I'll kick the year off. Uh, A big welcome if this is your home. Uh, Thanks for being here as we gather to talk about 2020, the year ahead. Um, Before we look at God's word, let me just pray again for us as as for our listening ears and for my uh, heart as I preach. Let's talk to God again quickly. Father, thank you for your word. We want to pray that as we look at the Apostle Paul and his life, uh, we would see uh, uh, someone who models their life upon you and your power and your strength. Help us to hear what you wanted to say to each of us. Help us to hear um, your convictions, your comforts, and help me to speak as a servant of yours. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, last year, uh, I decided that I needed to, to sort of exercise more. I turned 40 this year, and so I took up running, inspired by Jez. Actually, I wanted to compete with Jez. Uh, he was doing the bay run faster than I was, and I wanted to beat him, and I hated that, so uh, I tried running. But I hated running, and I didn't enjoy it at all. Uh, I, uh, I started running. Legs started really hurting. I went to physios. I even saw a sports physician. Oh my gosh, I wasted so much money on running. And so uh, I took up bike riding instead. And I got into it. I started enjoying bike riding. I started trying to find hills to climb even. I liked it that much. I was like really getting into it and like bike riding a lot. I'd ride from my house, my headphones in, music in, listen to the, to the playlist we have here of, uh, on Spotify of the worship music. Right around the bay run, back again, all in half an hour. It was great. Now, that was until uh, recently, and as you might have saw the effects a couple of weeks ago, of what happened to me. Just after New Year's, uh, I was riding my bike as usual, and I was, I, I was running quite fast. I try and go as fast as I can to get home, make the most of it. And I was riding down, uh, up around the road, the Bay Run, and was heading towards uh, the city down Victoria Road. Problem is, uh, after you finish the Bay Run, you, you, you ride on the footpath and the bike ride lane is there for a bit and the bike lane stops, the bike path, and so you're just left on the footpath with all the pedestrians. And so you can't really go anywhere, nowhere to go. And, I was, um, and you can't ride on Victoria Road because you will just die on Victoria Road. Like, it's just, it's a clear thing you'll die. It's just cars and buses, it's chaos. So you can't ride on there, so you just die. So I'm riding Victoria Road and I'm coming down the hill, I'm going pretty fast, I want to get home. 
And I played about 30 k's per hour. So I'm going pretty quick. And I'm on the footpath, and so it's my fault. I was on the footpath. And I recall as I'm riding down this footpath, heading towards a cross street. And in my head, I recall the conversation I had a week ago with a guy called Chris who comes here at church at 4 p.m. He's a policeman. And I said to Chris, hey, Chris, if I'm on the footpath and I'm riding my bike and I hit something, who's folded it? He said, oh, it's yours, Gab. You're an adult. You can't run on the footpath. And so I'm like, okay. So I'm, that's in my head. I don't know why. I think it was a God thing. I don't know what happened, right? But anyway, in my head, I'm thinking, oh, I really hope I don't hit someone because it'll be my fault. As I think about that, as this conversation is in my head, I come to a cross street and I'm, I'm motoring. And a car, normally there's a street there, and no cars come out normally. There's no one there. Anyway, a car comes out this day. A black Audi pulls out. And I'm about 10 metres from it. I can see it coming. And in my head, I think, I've just, I'm, it's going to be my fault if I hit this car. I can't hit this car. And so I clamp my brakes on as hard as I possibly can, both, front, both brakes. And my wheels have locked up, so I'm sliding down the footpath. I'm thinking, this is going to be fine. But as the footpath ends, it hits the road, and so I hit the road, and the bike then kicks me up over the top of the handlebar. So I'm now sailing through the air. And it must look so funny, like a big giraffe, his arms and legs flailing right through the air, just, just thinking this. I would have loved to have seen someone like me doing this, right? Not funny when it's you, though. Anyway, in my head, as I'm flying through the air, I'm thinking a few things. I'm thinking, one, I don't want to land on the Audi. It's going to cost me a lot of money. That's what I'm thinking in my head. Because I can see the Audi, and I think I don't hit the Audi, because it's going to cost me, because Chris told me it was my fault, so I couldn't do that. I, then I thought, actually, I, I don't want to swerve onto the oncoming traffic in Victoria Road, it's coming up that way, so I want to swerve and hit that, or I don't want to hit the car and get thrown onto the road. So these are the things in my head as I'm coming. And so I hit the brakes, and I'm flying through the air, and then I start thinking, and I'm in the air, I'm thinking, how's this going to end? How's it going to end? And as always, you do this, right? You put your hands out, because that's the natural instinct. And I just had my singlet and shorts on, nothing else, no gloves, just had a helmet on. And I landed like that. And then as I landed, I turned and I slid. And uh, I had, uh, this is what I looked like with my shoulder. I had road rash on my shoulder. So I had it all down my, down my back, all down here as well. And uh, the biggest pain was I thought I broke my hip because I landed on my hip when I fell. And I thought I landed on my hip, but I... Pretended I was fine. The driver goes, you're all right. I'm like, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine. I'm fine. And I just couldn't walk. I was more embarrassed than anything. And I had a bruise. I think it's the next photo, but a bruise a, a bit later on. That was, that, was a few, that was a few days. You can uh, take that photo away because it's causing people to a little get a bit lusty there. So I took that off. Uh, <laughs> my undies. There we go. Thank you very much. I thought, we were, I thought we were adult enough, but we're not really. So that's all right. Thank you. Thank you, Jeremy. I heard that from you down the front there. Anyway, it really hurt. It really hurt. And I still, and I still hurt. It still hurts. If I sit down too long, it still hurts my, it still hurts my hip. I get up and I'm like a 50, 60-year-old man hobbling around. I've, it really hurts. And uh, I, I had my hand in a cast. I had x-rays, I had MRIs. They thought I broke my hand. I had, I, I've broken a ligament in my hand. Uh, I feel banged up, had bruises all over me, and I'm still sore. I'm still sore. Um, I'm walking with a limp a little bit. I feel all banged up, but I'm getting better. I'm recovering. Uh, just this week, I got my bike again. I went for a ride. I got back on the horse that bucked me off. I'm, I'm back in there again. I've lost some confidence. I'm more wary when I ride. Uh, I feel my wounds as, as, as I rode, but it was good to be back out there exercising again. Um, and enjoying it, which is good for my, my mind and my health, and I haven't given up riding, I'm going to keep on going. And it's funny, 
Uh, I feel like my bike fall has almost been an acted parable of the past year for, for us as a church and for me personally. It's been, it's been a tough year. You know, yesterday was uh, the one-year anniversary of my mum's death. That was a hard time, losing her, experiencing all the practical and relational changes that have come or that have, have had a toll on my family. Uh, as you've heard just then with Jez, everything surrounding Burwood that has happened and not wanting what we, we wanted or planned. Um, and uh, we, just wanted to see a, uh, we just wanted to see a campus planted for the gospel to reach you for Jesus. That's what, what was our desire. And that's, it hasn't been that. It's been a hard season, and it's taken a toll on everyone. It's caused incredible stress and hardship. And I, I want to be up here, and I just want to be honest. As you know, that's, that's me. I want to be honest. I want to say the leadership here feel tired. The elders have given up so much time, as Jez said, time and, and care and energy into this. And it's, and it's been a season that has worn us down. It's stretched us beyond our capacities. It's been probably, as Jez said, the hardest season of ministry that I've ever experienced in 20 years. And it's taken a toll. It's taken a toll on us and our families. It's had an effect on the church here. We're behind for planning for this year, from organizing the year ahead, having small groups ready. We aren't where we want to be or we should be, we think. And maybe you don't feel it, maybe you do feel it, but Jez and I acutely feel it. And it's not the ideal way to start a year when you're feeling tired. And I feel like as leaders, we are walking with a limp. That's what it feels like, with bumps and with bruises. And I don't want to get up here and just focus on all the hardship. I'm not going to do that. But I want to be honest with you about some of the human realities of where we are right now. And it's taken a toll. And we need to learn from what happened last year. And we want to grow through this, knowing that God is good, that he is on his throne, that he is ruling, and he is going to teach us through this as we humble ourselves. And this is where we find ourselves as a church and a leadership, but I believe it's where God wants us exactly. I have no doubt about that for our growth and, and our joy. And he's going to teach us, I believe, as leaders and as people, deep things if we are willing to listen. I think he's going to teach us and, and me deep things as we keep on pushing to know him more and more. And I'm confident he'll bring us out on the other side. So uh, as we begin 2020, the way we've the, the, given some context of the year we've just had, this is how we're feeling. What's the plan? What do we do? We're here to launch 2020, right? Well, let me tell you what we aren't going to do. We aren't going to give up. We aren't going to shrink back. We're not going to stop being a church that is on about Jesus and seeing people know him more. We're not going to stop being a church that pursues planting more churches. We're not going to do that. Yeah, we're tired. Yes, we're hurt. Yes, we're walking with a limp. But our message and our purpose has not changed. We have a message that is true through every season and makes sense of every season of life and brings comfort through every season. And we're going to keep on preaching Jesus as Lord to ourselves and to the world. We are not going to back down. There is too much at stake. We want to say that we are at war. We're at war for the souls of those who don't know Jesus in our city. We began seven years ago here at City Light. And the desire, the the goal was to see people come to know Christ. That's why we started this seven years ago. And we're going to keep on going with this mission, the same mission, the same passion we started seven years ago. We are not going to go back into our shells. Jesus has come and he lived and he died on the cross for us to show God's amazing love for our world. And in him we have life, the full forgiveness. 
And our King calls us to go in His power to go and make disciples. And we are His church. We are His people. We are His Spirit-filled people to be His representatives in our world to make Him known. And that's our desire. It's the same mission. It's the same goal. We're going to keep on preaching Jesus to ourselves and to the world. But how are we going to do this? Well, I just want to show you for the next just few minutes uh, briefly the life of the Apostle Paul, the ministry of the Apostle Paul, who if anyone knows hardship, it's this guy. And I want to show you just his life and what he speaks of, how he reflects on what goes on for him. So 2 Corinthians 4, just briefly, I won't go into it really deep. Here's some, some observations I'm going to make as we just track through 2 Corinthians 4 that Jez read for us before. A bit of background on this letter. So Paul wrote a number of uh, letters to this church in Corinth that he loved deeply. It was a church that was all over the shop. He founded it uh, a number of years before he wrote this letter. And since he left, since he founded it, the church, half, some of the church had turned against him. Uh, some people from outside the church came in and started saying things like, Paul was weak, he's unimpressive, his gospel message is horrible. And the church started to turn against this man who loved this church deeply and who founded the church on the message of Jesus. And they were turning against him. And Paul was obviously upset. He was upset for them and upset for, for what was happening in this church. And they were turning on him. And in this chapter, just before we, in chapter 3, Paul talks about this ministry that he was given by God to share with them the ministry of Jesus, the message of the gospel. And this message is their only hope, and they should not turn against it. And so we jump into 2 Corinthians 4, and let me read to you uh, sentence 1, where it says this. Uh, he says, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. And twice in this chapter, Paul will say these words, we do not lose heart. He says it twice in here. Now surely he's saying this, you've got to presuppose that either he's tempted to lose heart or he's losing heart. <laughs> but he's feeling it. You can, you can get this sense he's feeling it. He's worried that his church is turning against him and against Jesus. And he has every reason to lose heart. But he doesn't lose heart. He says this ministry, this ministry of sharing Jesus of telling others about Jesus is by the mercy of God, it is given to him by God to do. And it's not about him. His ministry is not founded upon what people think of him. It's founded upon what they think of Jesus. It's about Jesus. And he will not lose heart. He will not give up. He will keep on speaking about Jesus. He knows their only hope, this church, is Jesus. And God is with Paul because he's given him this message to go. So he keeps on speaking about Jesus and he will not lose heart. Sentence 2 says he will not change this message or add to it because he knows that it's only founded in this. He will not add to it or change it. And then he says in sentences 5 and 6, he says this, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus is Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let the light shine out of the darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Paul will not proclaim any message but Jesus is Lord. And he knows the power of this message. You think of the Apostle Paul, who he was. He was a religious man who hated Christians, who hated Jesus. He so much so, he would go and kill Christians and send others to do so. And so he knows when he became a follower of Jesus, the power to turn someone like him into a follower of Jesus, that is the power of the message of Jesus. And he knows that power that can change anyone's heart. 
And so he knows this message of power is the only hope for humanity. And Paul will continue to proclaim it and not lose heart. Because that's what God has called him to do. That's his task, his ministry, his job that he's been given as a follower of Jesus. I wonder if you can remember your first paying job. What's your first paying job? Uh, I know Jez has shared that he worked at Red Rooster for a time. He was fast food like Jez. Uh, my wife, Katie, she was a babysitter for a while and then worked at Katmandu, the outdoor... Uh, a lot of people laugh at that. Yeah, Katmandu, right? Uh, at the outdoor adventure store. My first, very first job was being a paperboy with my brother. Is anyone what a paperboy is? I show my age, isn't it? A paperboy. He used to walk on the streets of Putney, where we were, and we'd blow a whistle on Sunday morning for the Sunday paper. Two would come out with their dollar fifty, and you'd give them the paper, and you did that. Uh, but I remember we did that for a little while, but I remember my first sort of real job after I finished school was my mum got me a job painting her boss's house. I had never painted before in my whole life. I don't know what I was doing. I don't know why I said yes to this. It was ridiculous. I don't know why they would trust me to do it as well. Uh, I had no experience in this at all. And I feel like when you, wanna, when you paint someone's house, it's not a, job you wanna le- not, a, not a task you want to learn on the job, is it? You don't want to sort of muck it up. And then I remember um, feeling so out of my depth. I think the first second day, I kicked a whole can of paint over inside and on the carpet. I'm like, this is... This is not a good start. I remember it was a disaster. It was a disaster. I remember getting, you know, there was a, the ceiling paint and the wall paint was different color and I get, I get paint on the ceiling that I shouldn't and I was just trying to always just scrub it off. It was, it was so bad. I had no skills to pull this job off. I was out of my depth and I felt so bad as it reflected on my mum who said I could do it. Um, but, but it was a job I was given. I was there to paint the house. That was the task I was given to do and I had to do it. The Apostle Paul says he was given a ministry, a job, a task to proclaim Jesus. It's by the mercy of God to do this task. And he was going to keep on doing it. Speaking of Jesus' death and resurrection. Speaking of a creator who loves his people. And this was his role, his task, to go and tell the world, including this Corinthian church, to keep on following him. Even though it wasn't easy, even though he was, he was being turned against, he would continue to do it. And this message wasn't about him, so he would not lose heart. It was all about the hope of the world, Jesus. You know, if you were here today and you're a follower of Jesus, you too, like Paul, have been given a task, a job by the mercy of God. As individuals and as a church, we are called to proclaim Christ. We are called to proclaim Christ and to continue to do it and not lose heart and not give up. Just like Paul, this message of Jesus is not just about us. It's not about City Light, our name, or our brand. It's about Jesus and people coming to know him and the mercy and love that is found in him and to share with those people who are lost. And that's what we are called to do. And at City Light, we're going to continue to do that. That is who we are as a church. And like the Apostle Paul, given to us by God, we're going to go and make disciples and continue to pursue that end. And we know the power that has transformed us to make us children of God, and we want to speak of that power to other people as well. And this is what Paul talks about in sentences 7 and 10. Have a look at this with me. He says this, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power that belongs to God, not to us. He says, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying around in the body 
the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. Paul speaks of this treasure, he says here in Senate 7. This treasure um, uh, is the gospel. It's the message. It's the power he talks about. That is the treasure he speaks of. It's the message of Jesus. And the jars of clay is humans, you and I. The message, he says, is in us. We have this message. And this jar of clay idea is is that humanity, we are, our bodies are weak. We are frail people. Our bodies are decaying. Our minds are often all over the shop. We get emotional. We have the tendency to give in, to move on. We are, the Apostle Paul says, a jar of clay, in a sense. So we are. But God has given us or placed in us, he says, this treasure, this, this message of love, of hope, of Jesus. And he says God has done this. God has given us this message in, in a jar like us and he has done this, placed this message in us to show and to demonstrate that this power is not from us. It's not about us, he says. The power to proclaim Jesus, to speak about Jesus... Uh, and the power to change people is from the message and not from who we are, how we speak, or, or whatever it is. The power is found in the, in the message of Jesus. It's not about us. And I find this so freeing. I don't know about you, but how, how often do you feel, or I feel, inadequate to speak of Jesus or to share to people, to people like Jesus or to change someone or have all the answers? And think, oh, I, don't, I don't have the right words, or I can't answer, the, answer their arguments, or oh, I don't live a good enough life and my life is not matching up to what I should be doing. I'm not representing Jesus well. But the comfort here is it's not about us. The power is in the message of Jesus and the gospel. That's where the power lies. And that's why Paul can say in Sentence 8 and 9 that we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. It's not about him. It's not about how he's feeling. It's not about his strength or his power, his efforts, or working harder or more plans or more strategies. It's a simple message of Jesus that's going to change lives. Relying on Jesus and his power and his strength. And Paul says this is what helps to persevere and not lose heart. We have this message, this power, this treasure in each of us. And this message is what transforms lives. Therefore, he will not lose heart. He will not give up. The final thing that keeps Paul going is where he looks to. He looks up and he looks forward. And I love this. Look at this. Let me read to you sentences 13 to 18. Listen to what he's saying here. I think this is really cool. He says, Since we have, we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believe, and so I spoke from the Psalms, we also believe and we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us and with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we don't lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond our all comparison, as we do not look to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, the things that are unseen are eternal. Paul says in sentence 13, he has the same faith as the psalmist who wrote, uh, I, I, uh, I, I believe, therefore I speak. 
And he's also convinced that Jesus rose from the dead, guaranteeing eternity for those who trust in Jesus. And he will stand in the presence of God face to face. It's no small thing. And he knows this as he looks, as he looks up and looks forward. And so Paul knows then his, secure, sorry, his future is secure. And so he will speak, proclaiming Jesus, knowing how the end's going to happen, knowing the future, knowing where he will be, and knowing where everyone else will be, he speaks of that future now. That's his motivation. He lives in light of the past, that is the resurrection of Jesus, but knowing that that means a secure future sort of affects his now. And this helps him not to lose heart, but to motivate him to speak and to go. See what 17 and 18 says? Is this momentary affliction, this hardship now, this, 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 this you know, oppression that he's facing can be seen as, a momentary, as momentary in light of how long and amazing eternity will be in God's presence. He says eternity with God, secured through Jesus' death and resurrection, will be on all comparison. He says you will not know, you cannot comprehend how amazing eternity will be. We have no idea. We cannot fathom it. It's beyond our wildest dreams. And so as Paul tries to comprehend that and believe God on that, that empowers him to keep on going to look to the things that are unseen rather than the things that are seen, which for him is hard. His eyes go up and out and forward rather than down in the here and now. He says things here are transient. Life on earth is short, but things of then are eternal and will not fade. And Paul looks to that truth of God to keep him going and to not lose heart. You know, I wonder for you, what's the best holiday you've been on? The best holiday. I mentioned a couple of years ago that my family and I, on the back of a bumper jackfruit crop, we went to Hamilton Island. <laughs> Praise the Lord for jackfruit. Um, anyway, this, we went to Hamilton Island as a family. It was amazing. It was like paradise. We're in the middle of winter, and it's like 25, 26 degrees in the middle of winter. Shorts and t-shirt all year round. Um, beautiful weather. The whole island is owned, I think, by one family, which means that all the resorts you can access and use all the facilities in, that, in, that, in those resorts. Um, you use all the pools. You, like, you have like eight or nine pools to pick from. Um, the water is, is so clear. Uh, you can go snorkeling or diving. There's fish everywhere. Sea turtles right on the shore that are huge. Manta rays that swim around your legs. Whitehaven Beach is just there. Whiter sand around. Um, there's no cars on the island. So I don't have to fear bike riding. Uh, no, there's um, golf carts as well, which is super fun to get in. And then wallabies jumping around. It's like, where am I? Like, it's amazing. It's beautiful. And we booked this holiday in advance. And so in the lead up to this holiday, you're just thinking about how cool is it going to be when you think Hamilton Island. How nice will it be? Oh, I can rest there. Oh, I can have a great time. Oh, I can go snorkeling. Oh, I can have a fantastic time. And it affects my lead-up to the holiday. I can persist and I can persevere in the lead-up to work that is stress or life, or life that is stress or whatever it is. I can persevere knowing that I'm coming to this place that is just going to be beautiful. It's going to be a time of relaxing. It's going to be a really lovely time with my family. And so I can not lose heart with whatever comes my way knowing where I'm going. This is exactly what Paul is saying about eternity. The exact same thing. If you're a follower of Jesus, you cannot comprehend what is coming for you in eternity with God. He says you have, you cannot, you have no idea what is, how amazing it's going to be in His presence. 
And he calls followers of Jesus to look to what is unseen, not what is seen. And as you do that, you will not lose heart, you will persevere, and you will share with others this amazing truth of the gospel to bring them in to enjoy God forever. He looks up and he looks forward. This is the life of the Apostle Paul. You know, so as we kick off 2020 at City Light, what's the plan then? Well, we aren't going to pretend that last year didn't happen or pretend we don't feel the way we do or push on in our own strength or work harder or strive more or stress more. We just read in 2 Corinthians 4, it's about Jesus and His power that comes from God as we look up and forward, resting in all that is ours in Christ. I want to say as a church, we're going to keep on seeking God, our first love in Christ. We're going to rest in Him. We're going to take time to listen to Him, to learn from Him, and trust that He can do what we can't. And that His pace for growth and change is good. And we aren't going to give up. We aren't going to shrink back. We aren't going to stop being a church that pushes forward to see Jesus known by more people and for us to grow deeper in our love of Christ. We have the same mission, more and stronger disciples. Preaching Jesus to ourselves and to the world. So I want to say, as we go through this season, I want to ask you for a few things. I want to ask for your patience, for your prayers and for your grace. Things aren't where we want them. We're behind our planning. You know, for me, I'm trying to look, manage the 4 p.m. MCs at the moment. They just aren't organized yet. And we're going to need grace and patience when we put them together. There's a bunch of things we need to get going on. But we will not lose heart. Jesus is on his throne and he's over this church. And the cool thing is, during this whole season of, of hardship that we've faced, there are so many great things that have happened in this church, which for me shows me that God's got it. And just over Christmas, we had Christmas and the last year, and over the 10-day period of Christmas that we had, we had five different services here. We had over 100 different guests come through our doors. Bunch of people who didn't know Jesus coming through our doors week after week. At the moment, we have a, we're about to run a connect group with 10 to 15 new people who want to join our church. Uh, we have, we're running our intern program again with a bunch of people who did it last year who were so moved and grown by it, said, can we do it again, please? We want to grow more. We have people who have grown in their faith. Just the example of, of, of Paul and Jordan last week. God is at work in here. We have Steve done this amazing team running hands and feet, which is such a light to the gospel here. We're running Christian Explored again around Easter time. People who don't know Jesus, for you to invite friends to come and experience the grace and love of Christ. We have new leaders leading MC. We have opportunities in the schools to preach Jesus at Rosedale Primary, and Tom Davies is going to go and join the lunchtime group down at Balmain High. I want to say God is at work here. In spite of the season we've been, in spite of how we're feeling, God is at work because it's about Him, not us. And He uses us as jars of clay to keep going. And I want to invite you to be part of the work here this year. We really need you to step up. And I believe that one of the evidence of God's grace is how He provides in seasons like this, and it's often through His church stepping up. We want to continue to keep pushing this idea of first love. This is where it's going to start for us, is first love. And out of that, everything else will flow. First love, owning your own faith. 
We're going to look, so we thought of this idea of first love, we're going to look at the book of Mark for the first six months of this year. We're going to sit in Mark's gospel for six months. Really, because we want you to meet Jesus and see him and know him and love him and trust him and abide in him, as Paul was saying. We're going to sit in Mark's gospel for six months. Just, I went and bought, at, uh, got for our bookstore at the back there, the book King's Cross. If you have the book King's Cross, worth getting hold, there's 10 of them at the back that I've got. The book King's, King's Cross by Tim Keller walks through Mark's gospel for you. Brilliantly told by Tim Keller, he's a brilliant writer. I would encourage you to grab that book. It's not a waste of money. Start reading. Read. You won't regret it. That will help you to come to know Jesus again. We want you to own your own faith, to grow strong, to meet with God. Last week here we had a whole thing on Psalm 1. We spoke to Jordan about meeting with God and the effect it had on his life. I've got more devotion at the back for you. Buy them, use them, meet with your Lord. You won't regret it. It's going to start for us there, first love. And out of that, everything else will flow. But I want to say make a plan to do that. We need you. To do that and out of that, we want to say we love you and encourage you to keep being here on a Sunday and in small groups. Attendance, I would say, is one of our biggest issues here. Uh, and you're going to be like, oh, he's having a go at me. I'm not having a go at you. Maybe I am. Let's just roll with that. <laughs> I love you though, right? I love this church. We love this church. But attendance kills us. A third of our church is away every week. A third. We're not even that big. I want to say, make it a priority. Make, you just stick in your head. I have a divine appointment every Sunday and every, every midweek group to love God and to love His people, to be His light, to gather together. What a blessing. I want to say, prioritize that for your joy and for our love. Be here. We, we love you to step up and serve. We have so many needs. One of my conversations in my house all the time is Katie saying, got some more city kids leaders for me, city kids leaders? We need more city kids leaders. We have children there who want to know and love Jesus and we can't have enough teachers for them. We have needs across Santa AV in membership, in maturity, in music, in writing studies, in hands and feet. Steve, we need more people. We're the answer to that. We're the answer. That's God saying we're the answer to these issues. You know, just last week I posted in the Facebook group, hey, uh, there's, a, there's a role for someone to come down to Roselle Primary School and uh, to teach Jesus so many likes, but no one said yes. I get it. It takes, it takes prioritizing it. It's going to be hard. If, if you're serving somewhere already and you feel like you have more capacity to serve, we'd love to hear from you. If you're not serving anywhere, please come and talk to us. We need you. And I feel this season God has put us in will grow us significantly closer to Him and to each other as He provides opportunities for us to step up together to own this mission, to be about this gospel in our world. He's calling you to be part of that. And there is no greater plan or purpose. It takes priority and putting time into that and seeing it's a blessing. So I want to say today, take action. Jesus is going to get up here in a second. He's going to ask you to take action. He's going to ask you right in your slips, things you want to do, things you want prayer for, things you want to push into this year as we launch this year ahead. God is at work here. He's on his throne. And we are still about making disciples. And I want to invite you into this, this mission that has consequences for eternity. 
Let's together be about God's work in this church and in the world. Be about be a church that's on about more and stronger disciples as we preach Jesus to ourselves and to our world that needs to know. Let me pray for us. Father, I want to thank you so much for your grace and for your kindness, for this message that you've placed in us, us jars of clay, this treasure of Jesus. We want to pray first, Lord, that we would treasure it ourselves, that we'd go back to our first love, and we want to celebrate you. Lord, help us to take action today. We don't want to sit here and just feel convicted, then leave and forget it. We want to take action today. Holy Spirit, prompt us to act. Thank you that you're working this church. Thank you for all that you are doing. And thank you for inviting us in on this mission to see people come to know you and for us to grow. Lord, we want to pray we do this all in your strength, not to looking to do more in our own efforts, but waiting upon you, resting in you, asking for your guidance and goodness. We want to pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Give you time to reflect, then Jez will get up and lead us in the next part.